2: I don't understand. You handed me this and I was supposed to read it, but I don't know what. Damn it, who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? (laughs) You know what that reminds me of? Anchorman. For the last time, if you put it on the prompter, Burgundy will read it. For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. Just for clarification purposes, I do not have a teleprompter, (laughs) but someone handed me this script and said, well, I didn't reread it, and I didn't really know what I was reading, and so, you know, uh, let's strike that from the record. Just call 60% me.
1: 60% of the time, <laughs> it works. Every time.
2: Well, that was some quality radio. Quality audio for your for your listening pleasure. Dump out.
0: Dump out. Hello, Edwards. Ron, I've got to fire you. Well, I've got to fire you. Bing, bong, bong. You're fired, Ed. <laughs> this is After Hours
1: with Amy Lawrence. I'm going to
2: i'm so glad that many of you were able to catch our latest conversation with matt the musher from alaska we've been working on this for a couple of weeks now to try to find a time during the holidays when he could hang out with us and give us the latest and share his news and it's been quite a year for him uh, he will not be running the Iditarod in 23, but his daughter will be running the Junior Iditarod as well as some other uh, iconic races. And so he is morphing into coach and support role, but is leaving the door wide open for another Iditarod in his future. So many of you were thrilled to hear from him. We've already seen a bunch of your tweets and Facebook posts. I appreciate that. Yes, he is going to remain a favorite and a staple here on the show. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Do you need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. You can find me on Twitter, ALOL radio. Thank you for all of your holiday messages. There have been so many. Uh, just because I don't answer them all, I, we don't want to break Twitter with our back and forth about the holidays. So I read them all, but I don't answer them all. I just want you to know that they matter to me and your kindness, your not just your holiday greetings, but your kindness all year long. Uh, makes this job a little easier uh, to to know that so many of you rely on us and rely on the show that we do, and that we're missed when we're not here. So that's awesome. Uh, both Twitter and Facebook, we're hopping over the holidays. I didn't go on every day, so typically during uh, the regular week weekly routine, I spend two plus hours a day on social media. I took a break. I did not do that while I was gone. But we did have a video, and so you know, producer Jay did count every last M and M in the Christmas mason jar. I know the number. He knows the number. But then he got sick and didn't have a chance to go through all of your responses. And there were thousands of them. Uh, and so whenever Producer Jay is back, I know that we had told you that we'd have the the big reveal for you and the three winners, the closest guesses to the number of M&Ms in our Christmas basin jar. We'd have that done uh, before the end of the year. Jay has spent the last week trying to get healthy. Poor guy. (laughs) I didn't hear from him for three, four days. And I thought, okay, he's definitely checked out. He's going to enjoy the Christmas weekend with his family. Uh, But that's not what was happening, poor guy. Uh, He got sicker than a dog. We did not have the same illness, just so you know, it wasn't me who who got him sick. Uh, He had a family member who was sick, and I suspect that's where he got it from. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much what happened to him. He left here Friday morning and has been a mess ever since. So hoping that he's sleeping tonight and trying to recover and will be able to make um, something of the second half of his holiday week since he's out the rest of the week. So feeling badly for him. I have talked to him a few times, so he's getting better, but it's been it's been a rough few days for Producer Jay. So he didn't have a chance to reach out or to even figure out who the winners are, but we do know the number of M&M's Uh, I believe he has all of his fingers still, even though I booby-trapped the Christmas Mason jar. (laughs) And if you missed our holiday greeting, that is still available on Twitter and on Facebook, so you can check it out there. We didn't put it on YouTube this time. It was just exclusive to Twitter and Facebook. We'll get back to uh, some calls here if you want, 855-212-4227. We also are going to hit the latest in the NFL as well as Luka Doncic, 60 points, 21 rebounds, both career highs for him. Franchise record in a triple-double as the the Mavericks rally past the Knicks in stunning fashion, historic fashion. So we'll get to that as well. And the Sixers had an eight-game win streak on the line Tuesday night too, so... Plenty for us to talk about, but a couple of things that I have to tell you about my holiday vacation. I don't know how, I I suspect there were many of you who took advantage. I don't know how many of you, but I, I know that judging by your responses on social, there were at least a fair number of you who were kind of using the same idea that I was, that my family was, Late last week, which was to watch Top Gun Maverick again when it came out on Paramount Plus. So I am the only member of my family who has Paramount Plus. Various members have HBO Max or Netflix or Disney Plus, yada, yada, yada. But I'm the only one who has Paramount Plus. So it was. My login that we used on my brother's big screen TV on Thursday evening and we were able to watch Top Gun Maverick as a family and three of us hadn't seen it. I think of the seven, three of us hadn't seen it. So it was a lot of fun to be able to go back and watch it again. I actually think I enjoyed it just as much the second time, even though it wasn't on the IMAX big screen. It was still really good. So that was kind of fun. That was the way that we started out our holiday weekend. Uh, And then we watched... The new Daniel Craig murder mystery. So for those of you who remember Knives Out, Glass Onion was the second one. Don't bother. If you you haven't seen it, well, so the acting is pretty good. Some of the characters are so perfectly suited to their roles, like Kate Hudson's role. I won't go into all of it. Uh, You can certainly read about it. But I would say it's not as good as the first one. I asked my niece after we watched it, uh what did she think? Did she spend some time thinking about it? She said, "Yeah, I don't know that there was a whole lot to think about after that movie." <laughs> so my advice would be to skip it unless definitely unless you get it for free. Uh it's it's not worth. We we made fun of it quite a bit as as a family. So don't go spending any money on it. Uh it's just it was Yeah, it wasn't quite the same as the first one. Um, So we watched Glass Onion as well. We played a lot of cards in my family, a lot of cards, which is fun. For those of you who know Five Crowns, that was our game of choice over the holidays. So we really enjoyed some smack talking, uh, and I... uh, trying to think if I won even one time. I don't believe I did. Uh, My nieces, they were pretty good at it. My mom generally is a card shark, so she did well. My brother is one of those who, if he's not winning, he upsets the entire board game. Uh, So he gets all cranky when he's not winning. So we had a lot of smash talking and, well, smack talking uh, over cards. That was a lot of fun. Uh, And then we did a lot of cooking and a lot of eating. Uh, for those of you who know about the Italian Christmas Eve tradition, we did that in in my family on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, we did a big ham. My mom was supposed to be taking ham home with her on the plane, but she forgot it in our Airbnb. And so I ended up with a double dose of leftover ham. <laughs> so that was kind of fun too. The food was great. Uh, most of my Christmas treats disappeared. So I took a, a trying to think of a huge Tupperware full of Oatmeal Caramel Chewy Bars and my new Mocha Cinnamon Blondies. And then I took two other Tupperwares full of cookies. So Island Cookies and Double Chocolate Brownie Cookies and Snowball Cookies. Uh, And then I also made the Reindeer Chow, which as it turns out was one of DA's favorites. I didn't know that was going to happen. And now producer Carlos has got what's left of the Reindeer Chow. Uh, So it, it was... It was fun to be able to share that with uh, not only family and friends, uh, but also to be able to to bring my contributions to my brother's house. I did make apple crisp in the crock pot as well on Christmas night. So that was fun because it made the whole kitchen smell like cinnamon. So yeah, we had a good time. It uh, was exactly what we needed. Uh, I was still recovering from being sick uh, at the beginning of Christmas week. And so to be able to relax and breathe and spend time with family... Uh, some really nice gifts and and a lot of uh, a lot of good time together. Which, as, as a family, the seven of us, we had not been together for a year and a half since we celebrated my mom's milestone birthday in August of 21. So it had been a long time, and it was uh, it was good. It was really good. Just weird, right, to be completely upside down and uh, to be off the schedule and then to have to turn around and come back on this schedule. <laughs> I know those of you who work late nights, you definitely understand. So good to hear from many of you. Again, thank you for all of your Christmas tweets, your holiday tweets, as well as your Facebook posts. Definitely... Hope that you got whatever you needed from your Christmas or Hanukkah and now New Year's. I actually had plans. The plans fell through. Now I have no plans, uh, but it doesn't, I don't think it matters. I I actually think that I will be really happy doing absolutely nothing. (laughs) Normally I work on New Year's Eve because of the football and I'll be back on New Year's night. So I will be here on Sunday night to talk week 17 in the NFL and the college football playoff Uh, But I will not be here Saturday because we don't have the show on Saturday. It's only happened, this is the second time uh, over the course of the decade with CBS Sports Radio. It's kind of nice not to have to be in the car and on the roads on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I was supposed to hang out with some friends and do kind of a movie night um, around football. But it fell through, which is okay. Because looking back on my November and December, I had a grand total of one weekend at home in November and December. I just had a lot of of family and friend obligations, family and friend visits that had to be made. And so I really didn't have a lot of time at home over the last two months of 2022. And as boring As it sounds, I am so excited to have no plans for the weekend, except that my church moved services to Saturday, so we're not doing services on Sunday. Instead, we transplace them to Saturday, so I will be teaching my kiddos, my fourth and fifth graders on Saturday instead for those who actually show up. It may be a very light class on Saturday morning, so that's pretty much the extent. Working on a new blog post, oh, and... Hoping to hear from the commissioner of my fantasy football league because I won. I'm the champion. But you guys have got to hear the story. Okay, first of all, my mom knows nothing about fantasy football. So she kept asking me, did you win your pool? Did you win your pool? (laughs) Mom, it's not a pool. Anyway, it it was almost not worth explaining to my mom what a fantasy football league was. But once my family figured out that I was in the championship, they asked me, Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Here's my issue, though. I can't look because I get too nervous. So once I end up putting my lineup together, I usually get busy covering the games, the actual football, not the fantasy football. And so this year, what I typically did was wait until Monday, sometimes Tuesday, to check my fantasy team because... It made me too nervous. It was also a distraction. I need to be talking and and taking notes about real football. And so I would leave my fantasy football to the side. They kept asking and asking, but here's what I knew about my team. It was not performing as well over week 16. And so knowing who my bell cows are and who my top scorers are and knowing what They were doing on the field, for instance, Ramondre Stevenson, for those of you who have Ramondre on your fantasy team, he had a season low. I think it was, well, other than the, he missed a game in there, but he had three points. That was it for Ramondre. And he'd been one of my top scorers for the year. Tyreek Hill did not have a touchdown in week 16, and he'd also been one of my top scorers. I got to say this too. I won in spite of Aaron Rodgers. I know I should have gotten a different quarterback. I think once this year he scored over 20 points. So he wasn't a Josh Allen type, let me just say, or a Patrick Mahomes. Anyway, so I didn't really want to look because I could tell that the team was not performing well. Uh, The Broncos' defense got completely smoked by the Rams. In fact, that hastened the departure of Nathaniel Hackett. So because of that, I knew that I was nowhere near my point total that was fairly typical for me. Um, I had won 10 weeks in a row, 10, nine weeks in a row and kind of could tell who would be the top scorers. That wasn't happening over the weekend. So I was pretty sure that my streak of wins had run out in the championship. And I was, uh, I was, I was bummed about it, but I I knew that I would at least make my money back. So on Monday, I finally decided I would suck it up and I would just check and I would see how much I was behind. I knew I didn't have any players going on Monday Night Football, so I didn't have any Colts or Chargers. I had no idea about my opponent. Again, part of my my modus operandi this year has been that I never I never look and I very rarely look at who my opponent has because then I'll be obsessing over what she's got or he's got in addition to obsessing over my own team and so it's just not healthy for me trust me and so I finally decided I would just suck it up and look on Monday figure out how far I was behind and just get it over with so I open up the fantasy football league on my computer And I realize, in fact, I was correct. Where I was typically averaging 125, 130 points per week, I had 94. That's it, 94 points. Then I realized my opponent had 91. And we were both done. Neither one of us had any players going on Monday. Here's the crazy part, you guys. And I'm not joking about this. I I haven't lost in three months. And my teams were extremely high-scoring. We have 14 teams in our league. Ten of them scored more than my opponent and I in the championship. Ten of them. There were a couple of, of uh, teams that were well over 130 points. <laughs> that is fantasy football for you. My lowest score of the season, and I still won in the championship because my opponent had even fewer points than I did. How about that? So anyway, I confirm with Cynthia Freeland. She is the commissioner of the league. She's uh, NFL Network. We'll have to get her on the show again soon. And she says, in fact, I did win. We had our championship this past weekend. They skipped 17 and 18, I think, because of the number of guys who were out. Uh, They wanted to be a more legit and authentic championship. I can't believe it. I've never won a championship football or, you know, a, a fantasy football championship. Thank you, Carlos. I think – well, I'm not even going to tell you what I think the grand prize is because if I'm wrong, I'll look like an idiot. Kind of like when my mic wasn't plugged in to start the show. Uh, so I, I'll let you know when I find out. Um, but I know that I did win. Our league is done. And it. I even got an email from – the server, the site, indicating that, congratulations, at 11-2, and two, you won your fantasy football championship. So, woo! I'm pretty excited about that. I know no one cares about my fantasy football team, but the, the fact that 10 of the 14 teams had more points than me in the championship weekend is indicative of how crazy fantasy football is, right? Let's talk to JR, who's in Pittsburgh. Welcome to After Hours, CBS Sports Radio. JR. All right, we lost JR, but happy new year to you, JR. You can find me on Twitter, A Law Radio. Again, thanks for all of your responses to our conversation with Matt the Musher in Eagle River, Alaska. You can also find us on Facebook. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence. I'm back for a couple more hours. Then I'm off on Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. Then I'm back for Thursday night into Friday morning and our final show of 2022. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on CBS Sports Radio.
0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai,
1: there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
1: Flacco has time. Now in trouble. And J.J. Watt with the sack. They played three weeks ago. Bortles knocked down The ball is out. It's a loose football. And J.J. Watt came in to force the fumble. For this coach of this team. Third and ten, Bortles. They be knocked out at the 35, and there's J.J. Watt again. It's J.J. Watt time, Chris. Lined up over here on the right side of your formation. Bortles. He's going to go down. J.J. Watt. Second down and 11. <laughs> Uh-oh, I just jinxed him. Doesn't matter, with or without a helmet. Watt got him again. Newton. Hit hard that time as he thought about
0: running it up the middle by J.J. Watt. Point out those calls up front. Into
1: six defensive backs, Ward was there, here comes Watt, there goes Ryan.
0: This is After Hours on CBS Sports Radio.
2: Oh, snippets here and there of a Hall of Fame career. J.J. Watt, three time AP Defensive Player of the Year, uh, 2000, the 2017 Walter Payton Man of the Year, a five time Pro Bowler, a five time All Pro, a guy who has amassed 111 and a half career sacks. And he has decided that he will walk away at the end of the season. If you haven't seen the photo up on his social media, I think Twitter is where he posted it first and made the announcement. His baby's first football game, his last home game as he announces his retirement at the end of the season. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. There's so much to say about the career of J.J. Watt. Certainly people will remember the injuries that plagued him uh, the last couple years, and I don't think his turn in the desert in Arizona worked out the way that he would have anticipated. And I don't just mean him personally. He has started 14 games in 22, but only seven last season. And the team has been awful. And I think that's the part that's probably the most disappointing is that he left Houston. He went to Arizona with a ton of fanfare. If you remember, they sent a team plane. They brought his family. There was a big contract. But it's not been the J.J. Watt that won all of those individual honors, and it's not been a J.J. Watt that was able to participate in the postseason. And so that's been difficult because we won't see him on that playoff stage again. You know, he's uber competitive, loves to win. He does have nine and a half sacks this year, so he's been productive. But the Cardinals have gone from bad to worse, right? That their situation is a disaster. Actually, let me think. So he, the, the Cardinals made the playoffs last year. I guess, I don't remember if he was active for that game, actually. So maybe we did see him in their playoff game last year. But again, the Cardinals have not been the Super Bowl contender or weren't, have not been able to follow up With the moves that they've made. And now we know that Cliff Kingsbury's position is a bit precarious. And that there will be changes in the desert in the offseason. So for J.J. Watt to go out like this. I think it's disappointing. I would love to see him on that stage again where he's in his element. But there's nothing about his career where you can find fault and say that he didn't make the most of the talents and the skills and the abilities that he had. Drafted by the Texans going back to 2011, he's one of those guys that put heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears into every single snap on the football field. He was taken in the top 15 overall in that 2011 draft. And it was a joy to watch him. And his first five seasons, he didn't miss a game. He started every single game this first five seasons in the NFL. And then missed the majority of 16 and 17. But was back for 18. And then 2020 played every game as well. And so the the last few years have been tougher. He's had some serious injuries that he's had to come back from. Good to see him on the field, even as the Cardinals wrap up a campaign in which they will not make the playoffs. Right away when his announcement was made and started to make waves, I had a couple family members, so my mom and her husband live in Houston, of a couple family members who right away pointed to the work he did in the wake of... Hurricane Harvey, and the money that he raised for so many Houston area residents, families, businesses. And then he himself, who was responsible, it took it upon himself to go out and hand out waters and supplies and to meet people face-to-face, to encourage them, to support them. He got so many owners and athletes involved in that campaign, as much as we could say about his NFL career, this is a man who was determined to make a difference in the arena outside football, and no doubt will have the opportunity even as he walks away from the game. In his tweet, a, a photo with his family, a couple photos with his family, my heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. that comes from Sunday night's game between the Cardinals and the Buccaneers. And producer Carlos was able to go back and grab some of that audio where he was talking about the work and really the efforts that were done around supporting Houston and the region in the wake of the hurricane. It's an unbelievable thing to witness what happens in a time of crisis. The most difficult times bring out the best in humanity. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. I think we're seeing humans helping humans. Uh, it doesn't matter, rich, poor, black, white, it doesn't matter, everybody's helping everybody. And I think that's what's most important at a time like this and it's, it's incredible to witness. I'm just the one organizing it. It's all these people donating, it's all these volunteers, it's all the firefighters and policemen and citizens out helping each other. I'm just a guy who's trying to organize it
0: all and make sure that we do whatever we can and use my platform as best I can to organize it. There's so many people out there that want to help we just needed somebody to organize it. And I'm just very glad that I could use my flat platform to help organize it.
2: JJ started that fund in 2017 with a goal of $200,000. Now, there isn't an update that takes us through 2022. But the latest update that I could find as I was doing research was the summer of 2019. According to his foundation... $41.6 million dollars raised. His goal was two hundred grand. 41600000 million. Dollars. Phenomenal. And as I say, he was named the Walter Payton Man of the Year. His fund helped rebuild hundreds and hundreds of homes and helped get businesses back on their feet. But we also got to see his heart, his kindness, his generosity, his willingness to be part of this effort at the grassroots level. So it was, I think, JJ's finest moment as a pro football player. He will be missed on the football field to be sure that motor. Now we still have Watts. (laughs) We still do have Watts. We've got the other two Watt brothers and his brother TJ obviously takes after him and potentially even could be as decorated as he is as a defensive player. We know that when TJ's on the field, the Steelers defense runs differently. It operates differently. It runs differently. Guys are able to do their jobs better when TJ's on the field and it's, a lot of fun to watch him out there, too. And I've always appreciated the, the brother dynamic. Just to see the three of them together. To to see them go back and forth on social. It's, it's super cool. So congratulations to JJ. I know his career is not yet over. I wish it would end in the playoffs. I wish that his tenure in Arizona could have gone differently. But his... Football career yielded incredible dividends and some awesome moments, not to mention those times when he's mic'd up. He's a hoot. <laughs> so we started the, uh, the segment with a sack montage that came from the YouTube channel NFL Throwback. We appreciate uh, them doing the hard work for us. And now for JJ, while it's not a... Retirement tour of sorts. The accolades, the tributes, they'll continue to pour in even as the regular season winds down these next two weeks. You can find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio, Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Coming up, bombshell news from the Miami Dolphins.
0: You are listening to the After Hours podcast.
1: Back to throw Tua, clean pocket, throws right side. It's intercepted for a third straight possession. And then down to one knee, brought down. It's Rasul Douglas with the interception. The Packers' defense gets their fourth takeaway of the day off the Dolphins' offense. The third interception from Tua, Tunga by Loa. And the Packers are 127 away from a win in South Florida.
0: You're listening to After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
2: You may have seen Twitter in the wake of the Dolphins' loss to the Packers. So week 16, different kind of a schedule. We had game Saturday, game Sunday, game on Monday, game on Thursday. They were spread out. It's urban sprawl, I call it, with the NFL. And when the Dolphins were taking on the Packers to start the Christmas Day slate, it was a game that actually had a, a bunch of points early on and then hit the skids in the second half. Part of the reason is because Chua Tango Valoa was throwing interceptions like they were going out of style. And so as that game is wrapping up and the Packers are keeping their playoff hopes alive, you hear there on Westwood 1, the defense making a stand in the second half. These are the types of trends that are taking over Twitter. Thanks to a. Just plain old Tua. Tua sucks. <laughs> Just, it was bad. Even if you had no idea. What had happened on the football field. You would know. That Tua. Had had a few miscues. You could have surmised that. From social media. After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Now we find out that Tua is back in concussion protocol. So a bombshell from Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins on Tuesday. As
1: far as the, the game was concerned, there was, a, there was you know, no one um, recognized anything uh, with, with regard to any sort of um, hit. I can't really tell you exactly when it was. I'm not totally positive on that. You know, he he met with the doctors uh, um, today and discussed um, some uh, symptoms. And uh, from from that, as you guys know, from there on, that's uh, between two and the doctors. And um, we'll we'll move forward as information is uh, projected towards us.
2: Mike McDaniel of the Miami Dolphins, clearly still digesting the news himself. According to Coach, Tua displayed and also admitted to having concussion symptoms when he spoke with team doctors on Monday. Immediately back in a protocol, he went. And of course, this comes on the heels of him missing multiple games earlier in the season that also put him in concussion protocol. Now, according to McDaniel, Teddy Bridgewater will take the snaps for the Dolphins as they prepare for Sunday against the Patriots. Huge game for them, obviously. Not bigger than Tua's health. They don't know when he might have suffered the hit. Maybe there was no hit. That's the thing about head injuries. That's the thing about concussions. Is that there doesn't necessarily have to be another massive blow to the head For them to resurface or recur. Now you remember Tua was the number one trend in the NFL going back to week four. And then week four, week five, week three, week four. So it was was first month of the regular season. And well, he got the hit initially from Matt Milano. The one where he was shoved backward. It didn't look like anything. And he thought it was a back deal, or at least he told the doctors it was a back deal, even though he was wobbly. He continued to play in that game against the Bills. Then he gets smashed on the turf against the Bengals in week four. That's on national TV. And his fingers and hands seize up so that he can't open them or close them. And it looks really scary, and it's on national TV. So then he missed two games. The team was extremely careful with him. He returned in week seven. The Dolphins won five in a row. They haven't won since. And so this is a huge blow to a team that's now clinging to an eight and seven record. And is needing wins in these last two weeks to get into the playoffs in the AFC. Now, Tua has been confident that he was fine. He's gone out there and he's shown no signs that the concussions were bothering him mentally, meaning they were on his mind. And he's set career highs in pretty much every passing statistic this season. But again, the Dolphins have dropped four games in a row, and now they're sitting in the number seven spot in the AFC playoff picture. They're trying to get back to the playoffs for the first time since 2016 so they can either win out or win one of their last two and see the Jets lose one of their remaining games. But it's scary for Tua. I can um, imagine that he's scary, scary, scared. I'm proud of him for telling the truth with the doctors and for prioritizing his health. I suspect that that is a direct byproduct and that there's a direct correlation to what happened earlier in the season. But with the team picture, we know they're not the same with Teddy Bridgewater as the QB. And their playoff fate is now hanging in the balance. They've got other ways they can win but somebody's got to deliver the football. They've got playmakers. Somebody's got to deliver the football. It's After Hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Let's talk to David, who's in Baltimore. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Amy? I'm good. Happy New Year. Same to you. Got a couple questions for you about the Baltimore Ravens. If you were the owner of the Baltimore
1: Ravens, would you sign Lamar to a new contract, or would you put the tag on him and... And the other question is, I don't know if your producer pull it up or not, but uh, if you have to, what free agent wide receiver would you bring in to help the Ravens for next season? I'm going to stay on here and listen and see what you say.
2: Okay. Uh, I don't have any answers for you about next season. Uh, just because I have no idea who's going to be available. I don't know what type of trades might be in the works. They obviously need to bring in some veterans at the wide receiver spot, at least one. And and I said that going back to the beginning of last season. Um, or, I'm sorry, the, at the uh, beginning of the offseason and even going into training camp. Because there was so little experience on their wide receiver roster um, right. that it was going to be... Uh, It was going to be a weak spot for them. Not that we can't see young guys perform. We certainly have in many places around the NFL. But to not have any real veteran presence on that wide receiver core and really have Mark Andrews be your number one guy, which is fine. He's great at what he does. Uh, But you need to have some balance there and and maybe more balance and more production coming from that wide receiver spot. But I can't tell you who, because I I don't know yet who's going to be available. Think about the number of wide receivers that changed teams last year and at very expensive contract rates right so we'll see what happens uh, they can they can find a difference maker Somewhere in the offseason, I'm confident. Um, and as for Lamar, that's a tough question. I would like to see him finish the season healthy. I would like to see the Ravens finish the season strong. think that that helps his case. But at the same time, if the Ravens are willing to move forward with this type of offense, right? If they believe in Lamar, they've certainly seen enough. Um, so I don't know that they need to continue dragging it out. Um, I would say though that that's kind of an indication that there there may be some cold feet there if they don't get this done pretty quick
1: All Right. okay, thanks thank. You have a blessed nice holiday.
2: thank you, David. Good to talk to you in Baltimore. Let's see if we can squeeze in Jimmy, who's in Georgia. Just have about ninety seconds. go ahead, Jimmy.
1: yeah, hey, Amy just uh, uh on the on tour and the uh, concussion um I saw on Twitter someone showed there was a play in the second half where he was tackled. uh It was a pass play. He scrambled to the right. And as he was tackled, he twisted on his back, and he landed hard on his back, and his head hit the ground. Not super hard, but pretty hard. And they were thinking that was probably the play that did it. So, uh
2: well, okay, you can think that, and and maybe that yeah. is the case, but if the team doesn't say that, uh, and Tua doesn't say that, I can't just yeah. point to oh, a play and be like, hey, that's the one. That would be irresponsible of yeah.
1: me. Oh, I, yeah, I agree, but it's, it's uh, it was one of those plays where it was possible that was it, so I just thought I'd throw it out there. All
2: right. I mean, there's plenty of possibilities, right? He could have been impacted yeah. by somebody's shoulder or somebody's yeah. knee. He could have been in a pile and, and something hits him. Or it could be nothing. I mean, that's the, the crazy thing about head injuries is that you don't necessarily need another impact um, for some of these concussion symptoms to flare up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I appreciate that, Jimmy. Thanks so much. Happy New Year to you. Uh, yeah, you can all right now think of athletes who have had their careers I don't want to say cut short. That's that's not necessarily the case every time, but cut shorter, or they've been forced into a premature retirement, or or walking away because of the fear of head injuries. One of the first that comes to mind is Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, he was really uh, afraid after a couple of pretty tough concussions that were leaving him with symptoms from you know months later. And just decided it wasn't worth it. He he wanted to be able to live the rest of his life healthy without being foggy and cloudy. And feeling like he was going to have these head injuries that were constantly hanging over him for the rest of his life. Even beyond driving. And, and he's just one example. A, a more recent example. Yeah, it's definitely a danger in the NFL. It's a danger uh, certainly for athletes who don't report. So I'm proud of Tua. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio.